Praise God. Praise God. Amen. It's good to be here tonight. Why don't we stand together, if we could. And could we just call on the name of the Lord together right now? Amen. Did you begin to do that with me? Could you set every other thought aside and now would you let your voice out to him? Would you let your words speak to him? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We lift up your name tonight, Father. What a privilege it is to call on your name. We lift up and we magnify and glorify the name of Jesus I pray the name and the authority of the name of Jesus be established here tonight. I pray the working of your will and your purpose, Lord, as we lift up your name. It is you that we worship. It is you that we adore. Lord Jesus Christ, it is you and you alone. We magnify your name. I thank you tonight for the privilege and the power of prayer, the privilege to call on your name and know that you hear our voice, that you tune your ear to our cry. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We set aside the cares of the day. We set aside the thoughts of the day. We set our attention and our affection on you, Lord. What is your will? What is your desire? We seek to enter into what you desire to do tonight. Jesus, we open our spirit to you. We open our heart to you and we bless your name. We lift up and glorify your name. There is no other name so worthy of praise. Jesus, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we set our affections on you. We set our thoughts on you. We fix our mind on you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are greater than any problem. You are greater than any circumstance. You are greater than any need, Father. You know everything that we have need of before we even ask. And so we look beyond the need and we look to you tonight, Jesus. We fix our eyes upon you. We fix our thoughts upon you. We worship and adore you. Hallelujah, you are great and greatly to be praised. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is beyond your reach, O oh God. I worship and bless and praise you, my Lord. I lift up and exalt and magnify you, my Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You are the keeper and the lover of my soul. You are the lifter up of my head. You are the joy of my living. You are the hope of my calling. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I worship you, Jesus. You are my healer. You are my redeemer. You are my provider. You are my king and my friend. And I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless your name. We exalt your name. We adore you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a privilege to call on the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I am thankful for his spirit tonight. Praise God. Um, you can be seated if you'd like to. Amen. I'll do something I don't do very often tonight. Uh, I'm going to ask my wife to come for a minute and just talk with you. And I didn't give her much of a warning, so I don't know. She may have been sitting on a message for months. I don't know. She may unload or uh, we'll see, but I'm asking her to come. I have things to say every once in a while, and I think, oh, that would be good. Maybe he'll ask me to say something, and then he doesn't, and then um, when he asks me, I'm just like, ooh. Um, let me see. I can't find where I'm... Um, so I, I don't know about most of you. If I'm reading something, I'm very easily, I can just scan over it and be done, and five minutes later, I'm like, I have no idea what I just read, and... Um, I, you know, I can do that with recipes or instructions or I've probably even done that with a few books that I'm just like, I think I just wasted my time because I couldn't even tell you what it was about. And, um, but I f find that, you know, sometimes with the Bible, we don't always understand what we're reading. And so it's easy to just read over it and just kind of move on. Um, so for me, what I have done, and I don't do it all the time, but um, I've started up lately is I um, do like scripture writing plans and so you know they usually have a theme or something and so I find when I'm writing things down I'm like oh wow <laughs> it really says that you know I missed that the hundred times I've read that or you know I've just scanned over that and um, and so you know I found that when I'm reading or when I'm writing it and reading it that I'm really focusing on what it is and um, so this month I've been reading a lot about um, waiting and endurance, and um, that's, of course, you know, the Word of God speaks to us when we when we pay attention to what we're reading, when we're reading it, and knowing what we're reading, um, but I feel like this month, I, that's not something I do well, is wait, and uh, I don't know, a lot of people probably don't wait well, <laughs> like if I have to wait too long for my Coke and McDonald's drive through I'm getting, you know, a little worked up about that, and um, and then when, you know, when we know the Lord's doing something or, um, you know, maybe he's told us he's going to do something or let us know that something's going to happen and then it doesn't happen right away. Then we don't, we don't like to wait. And so um, as I've been writing this month on, on these different scriptures, um, that's what it's been about. And so it's been like, oh, you know, there's some things that I'm, I wait because I don't really have an option in some situations, but I don't necessarily like the waiting um, but this scripture I read today, um, it's in Ecclesiastes, and it <clears throat> doesn't really seem like we go to that a lot. Um, <clears throat> probably should more. There's probably more in here than I'm, that I've scanned over and not paid attention to before. But um, chapter 3, and I think verse 11 through um, like 14 And if you have read through the first part of Ecclesiastes, it talks about there's a time for this and a season for that. And, 
you know, a time to plant, a time to reap, and um, I won't read through all that, but there's a time for everything, and, um, and we know we can't make things happen in a time when it's not. You know, we've been waiting for cherries to come off, not me as much as, you know, the Schoonovers and others have been waiting for them, but we've been waiting, I've been waiting to eat them, and, you know, so then, of course, you can't just eat them <laughs> when they're not there, or when they're green, or you have to wait for that, and so that's kind of what the first part is talking about, you know, there's a time for everything, and, um, you know, if there's a time for this, or there's a time for this, if it's not time, you've got to wait, um, but 11 through 14, it says, <clears throat> he made everything beautiful in his time, and he has set the Sorry, these new glasses are kind of weirding me out. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Uh, and then 14, it says, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it or nothing taken from it. And God doeth it and that men should fear him, should fear before him. So anyway, I read that and I wasn't quite sure, even as I was writing it, what all that meant. And so I looked at a couple of different things. Um, and of course, he made everything beautiful in his time. And if we're trying to rush things and do things in our time, it's not really going to work out. Um, but then, you know, it also says, um, let's see, you know, we don't, we don't know the beginning from the end. We don't know um, what, how, you know, what God's working and what he's planning and things like that. And so if we're not waiting on him, um, and we need to be waiting on him because if we don't, you know, we're going to make a mess of things. And But he's worked everything out and um, perfect and beautiful and um, and then, um, and I thought this part was interesting because it says, and also every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labor. Um, and so, uh, you know, I just felt like, you know, the Lord has given us all, he's blessed us all. And, um, if we just wait on him and enjoy what he's given us and not worry about what he hasn't given us yet. And, um, so anyway, that's what I have to say. Just wait on the Lord, don't stress about things, and just enjoy the cherries when they're here, or enjoy, you know, whatever God's doing in the present moment, and don't worry about what's going to happen in the next season. Amen. Don't you love waiting? I was thinking about I was thinking about Joseph as I was driving this morning and his time waiting in, in Potiphar's house and then waiting in prison and not really understanding why. It's one thing to wait when you know why you're waiting. Like, you know, if you're sitting at the doctor's office and you know they just like billing you and leaving you out there, but you at least know what you're waiting for, Right? And uh, my wife mentioned cherries. You at least know what you're waiting for. It's a totally different deal when you don't know why you're waiting or what you're waiting for. And, uh, you know, in the story of Joseph's life, he didn't know. 
don't know if the prison felt like a waiting room to him or I don't know what it, you know, oftentimes the, the place of waiting can take on different, maybe it looks like a prison. I don't know. I don't know what your place of waiting looks like sometimes. And I've, I have thought, and I'm sure I've even shared at times, that Joseph being there was God having to get his heart emptied out and pure and those, however long it was, I think approximately 12 years in prison, that God was having to deal with all of those things in his heart so he could get him in a place where he could receive his brothers. And uh, I felt like there could be some truth to that. I don't know that that's fully the case. As I was pondering on it this morning, as I was driving, I thought, you know, it was as much about timing for God. Because there was no big significant buildup to when Joseph's time was waiting was over. It was just over when it was time. Right? I mean, there wasn't any like, oh, I can tell it's getting close now. Seem, oh, yep, yep, probably about a month left. This is year number 11. I'm feeling like it's 12. There's no indication in Joseph's life of when it was going to be over. And so it really was timing with God. The Lord had to keep him in a place until what he had prepared him for was needful for him to be in it. Does that make sense? So we know that Joseph, in a moment, when Pharaoh needed a dream interpreted, that was Joseph's time. That was Joseph's time. It was the in- Joseph didn't do anything to produce it. He just waited. And when God was ready for Joseph, he's, I just imagine the Lord going, it's time for Joseph. I need to give this king a dream. This is how I'm going to do it. I'll give him a dream. Somebody will remember. I already took care of that a little bit back. I sent the butler down there to prison just so he could meet Joseph. And so he would remember that Joseph interprets dreams. I gave the butler a little dream just so I could plant the seed in the butler's understanding that there was this man in prison that could interpret dreams. All of it was the Lord putting things in place for a time. And in a moment of time... He took Joseph, we've heard it before, from the prison to the palace, right? In a day, in a moment. It was God's time. And then, of course, Joseph said, seven years of good, seven years of famine. Store up in seven years of good, and then in the seven years of famine, you can give out. It was all about timing with God. He brought Joseph out right when the seven years of good was starting to cover to be the one that he had endued with wisdom for the reason or for the season. He endued him with that wisdom. Pharaoh put him over the work. He, ultimately, what was the purpose? The saving of the children of God. Because famine came to Israel, the land of Canaan. And Jacob, Joseph's father, says, go down to Egypt. I understand there's food there. You think the Lord didn't see that from the very beginning? If he'd got Joseph out five years earlier, he would have been five years ahead of Pharaoh's dream. 
Five years ahead of when the work that he had been prepared for was started. You and I don't know what we're waiting for sometimes. But we have to trust God controls the seasons. God controls the time. And so what do I do? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as his timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. There is a scripture that has stayed in my spirit the last, I don't know, seems like a few months for me. But I'm not sure. You know how time runs. You don't know if it's been a few weeks or a few months. If you don't understand that, it's because you're not almost 50. Um, But the scripture that stays in my mind of David and his men going to fight. And they're waiting on a signal from the Lord. They are they're ready to attack. They have the element of surprise on their side. They have strength on their side. They have the anointing of God upon them. They have the word of God that they're going to fight the battle. And the Lord says, wait. What are we waiting for? David, at this point, and his men were men of war. They understood the element of surprise. They understood what it was to attack and take advantage of position. They understood all those things at this point in life. The Lord didn't say wait for any of those things. The Lord said, David, you're waiting for the rustling in the mulberry trees. What? David, you're just waiting for this sound. It's going to be the rustling in the mulberry trees. And that's going to be the indicator that it's time. I've been... I don't know if you've ever prayed this way. You probably have if you've lived very long. Pray, Lord, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you. In this situation, in this circumstance about this thing, I'm waiting. And I was praying that a little while back, talking to the Lord about that. And I said, Lord, but I'm not sure what I'm waiting for. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you're waiting for the rustling in the mulberry trees. Now, I didn't go out and start trying to find mulberry trees around my house. You understand? I knew the Lord was letting me know I'm waiting for a discernible signal from him. I'm waiting on a discernible signal from him. What am I doing until then? Waiting. That doesn't mean I'm doing this. Okay, God, whenever. No. What am I doing? I'm waiting in prayer. I'm waiting in the word. I'm waiting in fellowship with the body. I'm waiting on him. And in a In his time, I believe with all of my spirit, there will be a discernible signal from God. And I recognize this is his timing. This is his doing. Pray with me. Come on, talk to the Lord right now. In the name of Jesus, we trust your time, Father. We trust your timing. It is perfect. It is sure. It is certain. 
You hold times and seasons in your hand. You hold them in your hand, Father. You, when you choose, could make the sun stand still. All of the elements and all of time and seasons are subject unto you. We trust you. We are content, Lord, to wait upon you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. What would have happened if David and his men would have, would have said, now's the time and took off before the rustling? I think they would have received harm in the battle. Do you not think, I don't know how many there were, I don't even know if Scripture says how many there were waiting up there for that rustling in the trees. And I don't even know, if I remember right, I don't even know that the men with him knew what they were waiting for other than a signal from David. David was the one who had the word that that's what he was waiting on. Can you imagine him and all those men who had been in battle, who are seeing the enemy, who see their position, who know what they have in the element of surprise, and I'm sure the adrenaline is pumping, right? And can you see, I don't know what it looked like, but I just picture in my mind, I picture him laying there across this hillside with the trees overhead and, and them looking at David and David going. And they're just like, I, I don't know what it, but can you imagine these trained men? I just got to imagine there was some, eagerness to go some I mean they were seeing some signs but David hadn't received what the Lord had said yet so he was they were as human as you and I you understand it would have just taken one of them to just jump up and go and it would have revealed their position could have taken away the element of surprise and what God was preparing. But when David said now. When he heard the rustling. I'm reminded. Of. A few years ago. Now. Um, I think almost 19 years ago now. Time flies. I'm reminded of a. Yeah, it would have been right at 19 years ago. I'm reminded of a time we still lived in Puyallup. And um, my, I don't know if my whole family or just my wife and I, uh, we made a trip and flew back to Arkansas. It was, matter of fact, it was a 4th of July weekend. So it was, yeah, about 19 years ago to the day almost. And we flew back. Uh, specifically, we were asked to come back uh, for a three-day revival there. Uh, went, did that. Uh, the Lord um, had his way, we believe, and returned home to Puyallup there. And when we returned home, all of a sudden, every time I would go to prayer, my heart was overwhelmed and grieved for the people of Arkansas. 
not a person in particular. It's just like the Lord was. And so I would go to prayer and the Lord would take me to intercession. I was overwhelmed by it at one point. Finally, I don't know how long it went on, if it was two weeks, three weeks, a month, a month and a half, something. Finally, at some point, I finally I went to Bishop and I said, Bishop, it seemed like every time I go to prayer, this is this. Is, I, I think the Lord is telling me I, I feel like maybe I'm supposed to be responding and going. And Bishop didn't say, yay, nay. Bishop said, well, then let's just pray and wait together. We'll know when. Uh, I don't know if he said, we'll know when. He said, let's, but I know he said, let's pray and wait together. And so I agreed. And so uh, I have all confidence he was praying with me. And the Lord would continue to lead me in this place. And it lasted for about another I don't know, three or four weeks. Altogether, it was maybe two to three months. And then as sure as it came, Brother Martin, it lifted. I thought, well, okay. I, there was, it was just gone. Uh, there was no element like feeling like, man, you missed it. And the Lord just finally said enough. He's not responding, so I'm not talking about that. It, it was just there. The burden, the spirit of the Lord taking me into intercession lifted. Okay, great. On we go. Dismissed from my mind. It's about six years later. The Lord moves us over here to the west side of the mountains. We're here. We're thrilled to be here. Uh. We've been here about two years, and some of you were here. You remember this. And it was the 4th of July. That's not like prophetic about anything. Don't start reading into what I'm sharing tonight. Um, but there was a group of us that went golfing. We golfed out in Toppenish at that Mount Adams Country Club or whatever it's called. And... Uh, we were riding around that course, golfing, you know, being really spiritual out there. And uh, Bishop was there. I don't even remember who else was there. It seems like Brother Curtis Johnstone was with us. I know there was more. I'm sorry. I'm getting old. But somebody said something. I, I, the flowers, I don't even remember what they said. I've tried at times to remember what was it. But somebody said something. And something they said, it had me thinking about Arkansas in that moment. Their statement, whatever their statement was, or it, when they said it, it made me think about Arkansas. Well, when I did, Brother Jerry, immediately, it was like that time eight years before when I'd been in intercession after returning from that three-day weekend. I was like almost, it was like I immediately knew what I was feeling. Because I had felt it for two and a half or three months, eight years before. And I knew, there it is. It was the rustling in the mulberry trees, right? I, I knew the sound because I had spent two and a half to three months 
entertaining the voice of God and the Spirit of God in a place of prayer eight years before, so that when that sound came again, I knew then, this is the time. This is what it is. Why did the Lord do it that way? And those that were here, remember, it was less than 90 days later, my family and I were gone to Arkansas. It all happened that quick. That was July the 4th. I think we pulled out on September the 9th. It happened that fast. From that day on the... Because I remember having the conversation standing on the boardwalk in front of the wolf den. After we played golf and saying, Bishop. And he's like, yep. And 65 days later, we were driving off. It happened that fast. The timing of the Lord. Now, I won't bore you with some of the things that took place when we got there, what we stepped into. But I believe the Lord saw that. And he knew. I've got to prepare and plant something in this man now. Because that way when I'm ready to make the move. I can't have him taking two to three months to respond. And so the Lord will deal with us in areas of our life. And will feel something growing and happening. And then maybe it subsides. And if we're not careful we'll go. Well I thought but it seemed like. Don't dismiss that. The Lord was putting something in your spirit. And in his time, he can call it back in a moment. And in his season, he'll usher you into what he prepared you for and planted in you at that time. You've got to trust that and know that. It's what happened to David. The oil poured over his head and he had to just go right back out to shepherding sheep. But then he went one day to take some cheese and bread to his older brothers and he saw a battle taking place and a giant comes out and says, send somebody to fight. And David says, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of Israel? And his brothers say, you're but a kid. You, we know who you are. Get out of here. And David's like, I'll go fight. And you know the story. And David goes out with a sling and a stone and he slays the giant Goliath and Man, people are singing, Saul has slain his thousands and David is ten thousands. And this anointing's on him. This power of God's flowing through him. And you're thinking, man, he's arrived. No. It was just the Lord putting something in him. Letting him see this is what a king is supposed to be. Somebody that will lead into battle. This is what it feels like when the anointing of God comes on you as king. You can slay a giant. It doesn't matter. This is what you... I, the Lord was letting him have reference points for when something would defy the armies of Israel. So he got all those reference points that day as a boy. But it was years later. Years later. Before he was king. And notice. David did not become king. Of his own doing. Read it in the scripture. The Lord says to Saul. This day. Have I taken the kingdom from your hand. And given it. Into the hand of thy servant David. David never raised a sword to take it. David never rose up against Saul to take it. 
God had a time appointed. He saw and he knew. If he'd have just anointed David, Samuel would have anointed David and that Goliath moment wouldn't have happened. David may not have had faith to make it through those years until the time. So the Lord will bring victories in your life. He'll bring an anointing on you. But if I'm not careful, I can begin to resent God in the waiting. But I must, and you must be faithful in the waiting. Be faithful in the waiting. Somebody hear the word of the Lord. Be faithful in the waiting. I promise you the Lord's putting stuff in you in that season. He's putting things in. And it may feel like nothing's moving. How come there's no sound in the trees? How come there's... Where's the anointing that came on me when I... Do you not think David wondered where that anointing was? Where it was so sure and so... I bet he felt like he could slay a thousand giants after that. He was as human as you and I. As human as you and I. And he had to be wondering, what am I doing? I mean, somewhere in that journey of waiting, you understand, we actually find David in the land of the Philistines, in front of the king of the Philistines. And rather than lose his life, David resorts to spitting all over himself in his beard and acting like he's a madman and crazy so that they won't take him seriously. What in the world happened? He had been waiting and waiting and waiting. He didn't understand. What am I? I don't believe for a minute David understood all of the waiting. I don't believe for a minute he understood it all. I just got to believe because he was human. I mean, read the scripture. He makes some declarations that he's just like ready to die. God had an appointed time. And just as sure as he had it for Joseph, just as sure as he had it for David, I promise you he has one for you. He is not a respecter of persons. Don't be weary in waiting. Don't get complacent in waiting. Don't drop your guard in waiting. Don't give up on faithfulness in waiting. Stay diligent in prayer. Stay diligent in the word. Stay diligent in fellowship and connection to the body of Christ. Stay consistent. Let God continue. It's timing. It's timing. You say, well, what is he waiting on me to do? Sometimes he's not waiting on you. He's just holding you in this holding pattern while he's positioning everything else. I never forget the first time I heard Brother Wright minister about wheat. I'm almost done. 
And if you've never heard that, you should go find it and listen to it. It's somewhere. If you can't find it, let me know. I've heard it from him twice, once, one-on-one for two hours, so I can walk you through it. And he talks about the process of wheat, right? The scripture says, except a grain of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. And, of course, when he took the bread, the Lord Jesus, when he took the bread at the, what we call the Last Supper, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. And so Brother Wright ministered on the scriptural understanding that the bread is the body of Christ. And that you're not just bread. It starts as a grain of wheat. The grain of wheat falls in the ground. The first thing it's got to do is die if it wants to be a part of the body and the bread. It dies. Then it grows. Now it's wheat, but it's not bread yet. You're getting the short, condensed version. Now it grows, but it's not bread yet. So what's the very first thing that happens once it's grown? Well, then there comes a sickle. And it's got to cut it down. So there's a cutting that takes place. It's called conviction. Conviction is what takes and cuts. And so it's still not bread yet. Then it goes from that to the threshing floor. Isn't this a journey you signed up for? It is. And so at the threshing floor, the wheel goes around as the ox pulls it and the ox tramples. And what is it doing? It's separating some things. And the wheat's getting separated out from the stalk and and the chaff and all that there on the floor. And so then when the threshing's over, then comes and they scoop all that up off of the threshing floor. And then they go up to a hillside where the wind will blow over the hillside and they throw all of that up in the air. And the harvester or the farmer, when he throws it in the air, has a fan in his hand that he would wave as the stuff is in the air. That's called the winnowing. And so the wind blows, and what does it do? The wind blows or the fanning takes place, and it takes all the stuff that has no substance, the chaff, the the shafts of stalk, and the, the wind that's blowing, the fanning carries that away off the hillside, but all the wheat that has substance falls back at the winnower's feet. But it's still not bread yet. It's timing, it's process. So then... All of that is taken up. And then comes the hard part. And this is the part that I'm referencing when we talk about waiting. They would take those kernels from the winnower's feet, put them in an earthen jar and put a lid on it. And could take it and set it on a shelf. Until they were ready for it. Something wrong with the wheat? Nothing wrong with the wheat. What's it doing? Just sitting on a shelf. When's it going to move? I remember vividly the first time Brother Wright ministered this in Puyallup years and years ago. And I remember him saying, this is the hardest part of the process, in his opinion. And I would agree. I would agree. Why? Because at least in all those other parts, 
you at least know something's happening. I mean, you can, you can feel it. I mean, it might not be comfortable, but at least you know something's happening. I mean, ox is trampling on you. It doesn't feel good, but something's happening, Sister Jester. At least I feel something. The fan, at least the wind's blowing. It may be tossing me around, but at least I feel something. But when the kernels of wheat are put in the jar and it's sat on the shelf and there's no movement and it's waiting for the time that it's taken, and there is a time. But that's sitting there. Someone please hear me. The sitting there and waiting doesn't mean something is wrong with the wheat. Doesn't mean something's wrong with you when he says we're just sitting and waiting. It's just not time. He has a time. He has a time. Why don't you stand with me tonight? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we submit to your timing. We submit to your process, O oh Lord. You know the seasons. You know that for which you've prepared each one of us individually and collectively. You know the seasons. You hold them in your hand. You know the beginning from the ending because you are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the ending. You are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. We submit ourselves to your timing. We submit ourselves to your process. We trust the working of your hand and your will in and with and through our lives, O oh God. We trust you. We lay hold on your word. We have a confidence in you and your plan even when we may not understand. Lord, teach us to wait Teach us to wait on your signal, on your sound. Let there be an understanding given of the Spirit of God tonight. That you know the place where we are. That you know the place and the time. And you have ordained seasons and times for lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah, we trust in you. Hallelujah, we trust in you, Father. We trust in you, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Ira masetolo bokoshitaha. Ila mateyo kotori amashetehe. Hilamaki 
ilororri alamakio re ishi amaneleki aramayeto re eshitaha. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Ilamasito ye maha. Let's just pray a moment longer. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. I think it would be appropriate if you thank the Lord for what he's done in you to this point. Look back over the years. Look back over the days, the weeks, the months. God, I thank you for all you've done to bring me to today. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, that your hand has been on us every step of the process. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Continue to try us, Lord God. Continue to try us, Lord Jesus. We want your process to be made complete and perfect in us, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for working on me, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 The writer said in his prayer to the Lord, try me and see if there be any wicked thing in me. If there is, he's praying that for the purpose of take it out. And if there's not, all we do is thank him for taking it out. Amen. Let's thank the Lord one more time. Jesus, you are so good to us. Jesus, you are so good to us. God, I believe you love every individual that's in this room. I believe your hand is upon each of us, Lord. God, the fan is still in your hand and you're still working in each life. God, you know the end from the beginning. Jesus, you know the work you want to accomplish through each one of us. Help us stay submitted to that, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we give you control, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Let this get in your spirit, I pray. Let it be a part of your, if it's got to be a routine, make it a routine. Try me all the time. 
I want to make sure I'm walking in the way. And when I need to wait, give me the grace and the patience to wait. Amen. Why don't you greet one another and you're dismissed in Jesus' name.